This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Forever Dog Rose and Jamie are two best friends And they love sex and the city And they couldn't help but wonder Do you love it too? Carrie, Miranda, Samantha, Charlotte, Charlotte Cosmos, Cheese, So many dudes. Every single dude dudes. All the dudes And we couldn't help but wonder Jamie Lee and Rose Cerno. I'm Jamie Lee and I'm Rose Cerno and this is Couldn't Couldn't Help Help But Wonder, a podcast where we talk about sex in the city and how it relates to us. Yeah. Yeah. Hi, James. Hi. Um, Obviously, we talk about fashion a lot about Mm. what each other is wearing, which is obviously like wildly unhelpful to you guys. But Jamie Mm. is wearing pink and has like a very like shimmery eyeshadow. And she truly looks like a Disney princess. Wait, are you serious? That is so funny. Yeah, like a beautiful Jewish Disney princess. Oh, thank you. The only one that'll ever exist. Yep. Um, Well, thank you for saying that. I... You look great. Thanks. I I think this is the only pink thing I own. I love pink. Really? Um, Gal, who are you this week? Uh, I think that I was a Carrie Charlotte blend in that Mm. I've done a lot of questioning. I feel like I'm sort of in this place (laughs) of like, I'm just on a quest for trying to like live a better life. And I think that I've been really down on myself um, within like the last few weeks where I've just like have been really fighting back these thoughts of like, just like, I'm just like, you know, like, you don't know, like just like I'm doing things wrong. Uh, yeah. Like I'm a piece of shit. I should be doing more. I should have this, this, and this, I should be have this, this, and this meaning like I should just feel more like comfortable in my own skin considering like the age I'm at and like more just like self-work like wanting to just be in a more stable feeling place mentally yeah I get it and I work really 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 hard to just kind of like be at the level that I assume and I want to stress assume everybody else is at and I'm probably grossly mistaken I think everybody is sort of silently coping at all times or at least that's what I want to believe is that I'm not like the only one um, but yeah, so I've been listening to a lot of different like podcasts. I discovered one. What have you listened to that has been helping? Well, I, I guess because I'm kind of curious about like living in LA, there's a lot of talk of like positive thinking and I don't know that po- I, I, I think I know a, a decent amount about positive thinking. I've read, um, like Wayne Dyer books and some other self-help books like Zen, what is her name? Jen Sincero. Um, I, I thought that was an annoying book. Uh, yeah, I just sort of like, yeah, t- Tony Robbins. I feel like I've, I've, I've scratched the surface. I haven't gone super deep with self-help. I but want I've, you to go into the Buddhist section. I feel yeah, like the and Buddhist section is like cooler. Yeah, than no, I've read some and I enjoy it. And I great. feel like when I'm in them, when I'm reading them, I'm great. And then the second I stop reading them, I don't retain and I kind of slide backwards. So anyways, I was like kind of doing a deep dive into like positive thinking. And then I actually listened to this interview that was talking about how positive thinking is actually kind of detrimental because if wow. you convince yourself, yeah, there are a lot of theories on it, but there, if you convince yourself, if you're always thinking positive thoughts, you're essentially tricking your brain into believing that you've already achieved the thing that you haven't achieved yet that you want to achieve so there's a lot of value in negative thinking because it essentially just like keeps you grounded and it's not like you should be sitting there 
beating yourself up. That's not healthy. They're they're not encouraging like brain spirals. But um but there is something called Make like a list of all your worst qualities. Yeah, it's not think that. about them. But it's like talking about um I think it's called mental comparison, I believe hmm. is the term. Don't quote me. I won't. I think it's called mental comparison or oh, mental contrasting is what it's called. But anyways, and mental contrasting is just saying like if you can have the strength to sort of identify your weaknesses and like identify problems, you can then solve them quicker. And so I think that basically like positive thinking is sort of encouraging you to sort of live in this dreamy headspace where, you know, you kind of like tune out the noise, but there's actually a lot of benefit to actually listening to the noise. Um, Again, within reason, they're not saying like you should feel anxious and terrible all the time. But anyways, I think I'm just kind of on this like quest for like how my brain should work. Well, that's a really worthy quest. There's nothing more important than that. So it sounds guess. like it's a good thing to be putting your time yeah, into. Yeah, I guess so. I Or is it time consuming and I need to just like live my life and stop? Well, like, there's no living your life if you feel like shit. Yeah. I mean, you have to address it. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see. I think when you have time, it's just finding someone to talk to. Or- yeah, I also do think, and I've said this before on the podcast, I do think that LA for me is not the best there is something about it that I feel You're very happier in New York. Yeah, or like I don't even know. I'm fine here and I like it and I'm I feel very grateful like for the friends I have here and I think it's pretty easy to stay busy here. It's not like I feel like I'm sitting around. Do you feel like your mood is happier in New York? Yeah. I just think I, Can I you be respond there? better to like movement and walking and like I get better ideas when I'm walking I don't like my apartment that much I've never really liked it that much I'm kind of like it's not that special honestly no it's not it's very blah I've never spent time and I laugh that I just said that I know but I'm only saying that because like you're this like goddess and it's, gem I've and never, it doesn't really reflect you no I would say. And, and that is my fault I've never put time into decorating it I've never also, been there for long get stretches get a place where you can just hire someone to make it really cute yeah I think it's also just like we moved to New York I mean we moved from New York to LA we had the unit next door which was great when we first moved in we were like oh my god this is so much more space than we ever had in New York like I was so thrilled and then we lived there for two years and then our neighbors in the larger unit next door moved out and we were like why wouldn't we take that we want a two-bedroom and then we don't have to like do a full move we can just literally like drag our mattresses like through the laundry room and we will have moved so it was just kind of like a easy convenient thing and now I'm just in this place where I'm like do I want to like get a house or do I want to just move to New York? Well, something to think so, about. So yeah, I'm just kind of like, I don't know. We'll see. Well, but I feel like if I move to New York, I'll have to keep coming back out to LA and I just don't know what the right move is. I think that you have a lot on your mind and you know, you, I think when you put your mind to something, you're great at it. You're very good at what you do. You have a great bod. You put a lot of folks on that. If, if, Mental peace is a goal for you. Knowing how you are, I know you can achieve it. Thanks. I hope so. Yeah, I we'll know see. that you can. Thanks. I love you're that you're fun. like, if you have, you put a lot of energy into your bod. Well, you do. I mean, you work out all the time. I, I'm i 50 pounds overweight, 15. You, oh, my God. I you am. are not. There's yes, no I way. I am. Are you serious? Well, I Not gained, that that's bad, but you truly don't look it. Well, I feel it, and I gained 15 pounds this year. Oh. And all I'm trying to all I'm trying to say is, you have a if I body if stuff. I set my mind to it, you, you do think it, I can and you're do disciplined. It. I think so. And you put your effort in. This one feels harder for some reason. I Why aren't how... you doing therapy? Because I don't have time right now. But I might go back. I might go back. Yeah, I should I go. Feel like you should make time. I might for honestly. I might do better help. I might try it. Why not? Yeah, I might at least like try it on for size. Yeah. Yeah, I think I might be good. I I also feel like some of it can be achieved through therapy, and then some of it is just like for lack of a better phrase like chilling the fuck out like I think sometimes I just stir a little too much and it doesn't really get me anywhere it's just kind of like a hamster wheel endless questioning endless sort of poking but, at myself and well, it's like just as your friend something I do else. think go volunteer shut up no I disagree <laughs> I should volunteer I no, do think that's you should not I volunteer do. okay Don't I, will, give I your time. will not no I, will I think not. personally disgusting. That the spinning is deeper stuff that you can solve in therapy. Personally. You do? Yeah. Oh, that's good. Okay. I, you know I'm pro-therapy. I know you are. I think that the idea of like, I just need to chill. I just need to. None of it's going to go. There's something bothering you. Yeah. And 
anything, volunteering, going on vacation, it's not going to get rid of it. No, There's something no, no. inside of you yeah. that needs to come it's out. It's the quote, like, wherever you are, there you are. And what also is it? the therapist that you wherever used to you see. Go, there you where, are. Wherever you go, there you Who are. Who shall remain nameless that yes. I used to see. I like her, but I don't think she's the best. Oh, okay. I feel like Good I to had to move on. Oh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. But I mean, to each their own. Yeah. I don't I don't think that was the issue for me. I really liked her. I just don't... Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm just in a place. But I'm also, you know, You're it's also just dealing with. Yes, that's it. I'm a seeker right that's now. That's also great. I think okay. that's healthy. Thanks. Who yeah. are you this week? Who was I this week? Um, I'm a reverse carry. Reverse I'm carry. I'm an opposite carry. You've been that before. What does that mean exactly? It just means that I think I do things. The thing I'm talking about yeah i feel like i handled it the opposite that carrie okay. would got it copy so i don't really want to go into too many details okay but i did um and my relationship yes and uh the reason that i feel like the opposite of carrie is when she has something to tell big she literally spirals out of control and is super reactive and is crying and drunk. And it's like a huge embarrassing mess that she like is embarrassed about. Mm -hmm. And I am very it's a scene. Yeah. It's a messy scene that is phenomenal for television. It would be boring if it was clean and easy, we wouldn't watch, but thankfully I don't feel like that's how I handled this. And all I'll say is, um, the person that I was seeing is a wonderful person who I care about and respect and think is amazing. It wasn't a fit, I don't think. I know. And I think I'm proud of both of us, the way we handled it. It was, like, really respectful and kind and mature. And um, I'm proud of us, yeah. Yeah. Yes, everything you told me sounded very just healthy and it was I I break, break up goals honestly honestly for me too because I really I really want the best for him and care about him and think he's wonderful and you know it's like you know you there's no breaking up sucks there's no good way around it but if you respect and care about somebody you know you out of you know it's just it's nice to not have to end a nice relationship it's nice to be able to end a nice relationship in a way that like you can still be friends and friendly and yeah we had wonderful times and I have really good this is like death with dignity I kind of feel that way it is it's it's relationship death with dignity but it's also kind of like yeah I, I I just yeah so anyway I feel like the opposite of Carrie because I don't I don't feel like a mess I don't feel like mean things were said it was I also feel like your your disposition and your energy just as your friend doesn't feel rattled you feel pretty steady thanks I mean given that it just happened a couple of days ago I feel like you are I know you would tell me otherwise if you weren't feeling that way and you really seem like calm well the truth is I think most of the agitation and pain happened before this. Yeah. I think that like brought me to this point. Yes, yes. So I think now I feel more relaxed. Right. But yeah, there. it's not like it was all easy. There were moments that were painful and I was self-doubting and not sure what to do. And I tried to be really thoughtful about it. But I think I'm over the mountain of it. But yeah, there were times that were hard and frustrating and there were times that I was reactive that I acted like Carrie within the relationship. Um, not the whole relationship, but you know, I'm not perfect and I'm not always calm. And there were times where I was like emotional. Yes. And, but I would say I tried to be really thoughtful about what to do. And once I made the decision, I think, yeah, I think there was, I think once you decide, then there's nothing to be, like, angry and wild yeah. about. Did he seem surprised? No. Okay. No. Um, and I think he knows. I think that, you know, I don't think it was perfect for him either. Yeah. Um No, I think he's the type to really, like, work on things and... You know, I think he was more willing to keep mm. trying. Mm-hmm. 
but I didn't look at it as something that I, I don't think either one of us was doing anything wrong. I just didn't see how it, it was going to function. Yeah. I don't think it was going to flourish, you know? Yeah. I think we were unintentionally hurting each other mm. and not because we were trying to. Sure. And sometimes when you can like someone that's not the right match for you. Totally. And I think we both really like each other. I'm still attracted to him. He's a great guy. I have nothing but good feelings. When I see him, I feel happy. It's yeah. like just not my person, you know? Yeah. And I don't think I'm and I think he knows that I'm not his either. Yeah. Okay. Well, proud of you. Thank you. That is not an easy thing to do. No, and like, you know, I have really it was a really great relationship. I learned a lot. He's a great person. We had a lot of fun. Like, yeah. I have nothing but good things to say. Okay, good. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, on that note, let's get into some emotions within Sex in the City. Yes. Okay. The episode we are covering today, season two, episode 17, 20 something girls versus 30 something women. Just want to say one of my favorite episodes of the entire series. We're going to get Definitely. into this a lot, but for listeners of all ages. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like people in San Francisco, or at least they used to have a rivalry with LA and think LA sucks. And mm-hmm. like, and people in LA are like, no offense, but we don't even think about you. And that's kind of how 20s and 30s are. Like when I was in my 20s, like I didn't even think about women in their 30s or I didn't even think about anything. And now that I'm in my 30s, I do think of women in their 20s as oh, kind of rivals. Yeah, you're and right. And it kind of feels like a San Francisco LA thing of that like. That is so funny. Like I think girls in their 20s like don't even notice a woman in their 30s. And we're like, oh, so he decided to leave me for a girl in her 20s. Yes. Like they don't clock yes. any of that. You're right. You're right. It's, a it's totally one sided. Yes, absolutely. Kick us off, girl. Okay. So things kick off with a Brady bunch homage about six people whose horny Hampton summer share goes south. Lucky for the core four, they're Charlotte's friends, and they offer her a deal on taking over the rest of their lease. That's right. This is the Hamptons adult summer camp episode. It's a really cute three-bedroom cottage, and they're giving us a fantastic deal for the month of August. Yeah, of course it's a good deal. It's haunted with cheating boyfriends and sexual rejection. We can always burn sage. Hey, sharing a house with your girlfriends is fine in your 20s, but I feel like in your 30s, isn't it a tiny bit pathetic, like being the oldest kid at summer camp? She has a point. My 25-year-old assistant, Nina Grabowski, has a summer share in Bridgehampton with 18 other girls. They have to sleep in shifts. What do they do when they meet someone? Oh, they fuck in shifts, too. Hold it, hold it. I can't believe you guys would pass up a chance to get out of this sweltering heat. And besides, the city's completely dead during August. That's because everyone's in the Hamptons. We're stuck in traffic trying to get there. But this could be the last summer that we can actually all get together and do something like this. I mean, next year, who knows? One of us could be married or have kids. And then we'll always regret that last summer that we didn't spend together in the Hamptons. Charlotte's sweet hopefulness touched something in all of us. Okay, I'm in. Me too. Fine. But I get the late shift. Hampton summer shares. I mean. Have you done like a girls trip with like five girls like in your 30s? No. Um, I did a sort of mini makeshift Hampton summer share last summer. So, yeah, not this. Wait, what what month is it? <laughs> November. November. Yeah. So not this past summer, but um, yeah, the, the summer before I sort of rented an Airbnb in Southampton very sporadically and yeah Allison Libby came and some of Dan's friends came and my friend Shalini came with her husband and yeah we just kind of like threw it together last minute did you have a blast yeah it was so fun we just grilled the entire time we didn't really leave the house we kind of just like hung out by the pool they had a volleyball court we like played volleyball a bunch you played volleyball yeah it was great it was a perfect house that sounds really fun it was really fun it really was like I don't really feel this way about a lot of Airbnbs, but this was one where I'm like, oh, I would rent that one again. It Sounds was like excellent. a blast. Yeah, it was like the best party house. They had like the speakers that were like indoor, outdoor. Mm. Yeah, it was awesome. 
What do you think about like big group girls trips in your 30s? Do you think that's a thing would, for your 20s? Or? I would no. I actually I would love to do that in my 30s. I think it's just an issue of time and planning, coordinating, planning. <laughs> yeah, just getting that like mass email going where everyone starts sort of responding or dropping off like flies. Yeah. I'm just laughing because I have uh, different kinds of groups of friends and I totally think I think that's ridiculous. I think you can do groups of friends vacations into your 50s well, yeah 60s seven, yeah I want it forever yeah my grandparents yes. go on like double couples like cruises or whatever totally um but I'm just laughing because I was thinking I have some I don't really have a crew but I I do have this one group of girls and we're all pretty um decisive alpha girls and it's really funny when we travel together or do an Airbnb because it's kind of like, well, I thought we could go to the, this restaurant. Well, I thought we could go to this restaurant. Oh, wow. uh, does anyone want to eat at 730? I was really hoping we could do it at 8. And it's kind of just like, yeah. somebody needs to be a beta here. Somebody needs to just go with the flow because everybody's just like <laughs> I think a planzilla. That, I think that's true. That is, I actually don't think that just applies to you and your friends. I think that we all become planzillas in our 30s. I am a planzalella. Yeah, you are a planzalala. Yeah. Um, I'm a malala. Yeah, you're a malala. I'm the malala of plans. Yeah, but I, I do think that that's just the case in general because um, I did a house Girl, with a bunch of people. women are planzillas. Men don't make a plan yeah, for their no, lives. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm talking about the women, but yeah. I just mean like if you have whatever, if you have like a house with a bunch of different couples or whatever, like th- that that ends up happening. There's always going to be a clash of like, you know, where we eat, dinner. I think the the best way to enter a group vacation hang situation is to just co-sign on whatever the most planzilla-y of all of the zillas wants to do. Yeah. It's like you just just force yourself into beta status. You will feel so much more relaxed if yeah, you I'm- just relinquish. Yeah, I had a good uh, group of friends go to Palm Springs, a big group of us, and we got an awesome house, and we got, it had a great pool and a beautiful jacuzzi. This was like New Year's a few years ago, and we had like so much fun in Palm Springs. We went to a great places to eat. We had such a good time. We laughed so hard on that trip. It was so fun. My sister's bachelorette was also like a group of girls in a house drinking and playing games. I mean, that shit's the funnest. It's the most fun. Yeah, Yeah, I know. I feel like bachelorettes are kind of this designated time when that happens, but I'm like, we should just have bachelorettes like all the time. Like yeah. at least once a year, you should have just some kind of bachelorette of fun people trip. Yeah. I did it for new year's this past year. We had a, a group of people go to a house in Palm Springs. That's fun. It was really fun. Yeah. I think this idea of like, that's just something that kids do. I think the reason that the girls are analyzing that is because it's a group of women who are single in their thirties. And I think they have, which is understandable. I mean, I understand this. It's not how I feel all the time, but I have had moments of feeling shame about it. And I think they have shame that, oh, shouldn't we have families? Is, isn't this lame that we're like going to see? I think there's a little, I think that's and it's also the Hamptons summer share specifically. That is something that I, yeah, I didn't grow up in New York. So I, you know, I didn't spend summers in the Hamptons. That was like not my experience, but I have gleaned what it's like to go through the Hampton summer share experience and, it does run pretty deep. It's a pretty deep tradition. And I think that it really sort of reaches its peak in your 20s. So I imagine this is commentary on like, but what happens when you start doing a summer share a little later? You know, a lot of people own Hamptons houses and then they're inviting their friends out and right. like, you're just straight up renting. Yeah, I mean, I and have what to that say. that inferiority means for these girls. Yeah, there is something that happens in your 30s where you start going to things like... I mean, maybe it's because I'm single now. So like I'm looking at everything in a singles lens, but like you do start going to things like you go to a dinner party or you go to like a house party and like everyone is in a couple. Yeah, that definitely happens. But anyway, that's enough of me projecting. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, kick Um, it back in. Before she can take off for the month. Samantha has a check-in with her ballsy assistant, Nina Gabrowski. Hilarious. This actress is so funny. She's amazing. Oh, my God. Nina loves taking personal calls in the office and reminding Samantha that she's in her 20s. Fuck you very much. After Samantha confronts Nina's lack of professionalism, Nina quits and takes a copy of Samantha's contacts with her. Everybody catches up to take the bus to the Hamptons, where Charlotte introduces Greg. He's got floppy hair. He's 26 years old. He's Charlotte's new everything. 
After they arrive at their kind of crappy bungalow, Charlotte reveals her plans for their stay. She's going to fake being 27 and plow 20-somethings, starting with Greg. It's not very Charlotte, but I like it. He stops by to invite them to his beach bonfire where, uh, yeah, there'll be a keg. Amid all the young people making out and vomiting pops Laurel Harris, an aspiring writer and a big fan of Carrie's. Carrie and Laurel set a time for a mentor slash protege hang back in the city. And the next morning, Miranda wakes up to vomit on their deck. Charlotte reports Stacy and Holly did too many jello shots with Greg, who apparently spent the night. Laurel and Carrie catch up at a book party. Between grabbing Carrie drinks, Laurel asks her if she's too young to write a sex memoir. She also notes that she's never actually had sex, so weird choice of subject. And Carrie meets Bradley, a doctor with a Hamptons place of his own. They set a time to catch up on the beach, but Carrie's not that into it. And right then, my summer romance made his appearance right on schedule. The yellow umbrellas seem to be very popular this year. Hey! <laughs> Samantha Miranda, this is Dr. Bradley Migo. Hello. Hi. So what kind of a doctor are you, doctor? Uh, internal medicine, general all-purpose kind of thing. Fabulous. So you can prescribe medication. What did you have in mind? Feel free to ignore her. I'm sure that's impossible. <laughs> Listen, I'm going to go take a quick dip. Now, you promise not to ditch me now. I promise. Okay. <laughs> Heavy seagull sound. Is that the back of the book party? Yeah. I've got to start reading. It's cute. Just, I'm not really sure I'm interested. Good looking, polite. House in the Hamptons. Good on paper? Mm. Well, you know the rule. Huh. Good on paper, bad in bed. A good on paper guy is a guy with great credentials who you always end up leaving for some hot guy who rides a motorcycle and doesn't have a checking account. So funny. Also, that guy is not that cute. No, 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 no. Got not at all. Forehead for days, baby. But, um,. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, the way that they like lust after guys on the show who are not even bad looking, just not lu lusty. I'm so jealous that all the guys every single one of them dates are always rich. I feel like I am a magnet to poor guys. <laughs> I just feel like I don't date guys who have like an extra house and a really nice car. That and is part of the fantasy of this show. Oh, no, that is part of the. Every I, I think single some guy's people, a doctor. I think some. I I do believe though. I I have a friend that I grew up with, and she has only dated rich guys. And it's not that she grew up super wealthy or anything, but it is like I I think that there's some kind of magnetism where if that's something that people prioritize mm. in their relationships, it, they make it happen. I used they to prioritize it. creativity, but give me the bucks. I know. <laughs> I know. Give me Dr. Bradley Mego for the love of God. I think I need to like go to a hypnotist to like hypnotize me to only, maybe I just need to start hanging out at hospitals more. Yeah. Ow, my shoulder hurts. Do that. You should, that's how you meet them. You know, doctors, they love to date their patients. <laughs> my boobies hurt. The left one. The funky one. <laughs> the funky one. The funky left one. So, yeah, how do you feel? Do you think our safe choice is generally boring to date? Um, Good on paper is interesting. Yeah, good I think, on paper. I think good on paper is something that really uh, presents itself online because that's when you can really see somebody's paper credentials. It's like, oh, this is where they went to school. This is how tall they are. And this is what they do for a living. Right. So you can totally on paper people that way. Um, I mean, it's tough because I don't think there's anything wrong with gay, straight, bi, male, female, non-binary. Like, there's nothing wrong with wanting the person you're dating to be educated, accomplished, uh, financially stable. Um, but... I guess the problem is, is if you prioritize that over an actual connection. Yeah. It's just as somebody who is connected a lot to people that aren't great on paper, I can now see I'm trying to get somebody who's good on paper. Yeah. What do you think? I don't know that I've dated that many good on paper guys. Like, have you ever? <laughs> no. Uh, maybe like two. But they were also good in life. So I didn't there you go. Yeah. I, but I, I never dated someone who was, just, who was solely good on paper. And then, well, that's not true. I went on a first date with a guy who was like, yeah, like you said, an online date. And he, he, yeah, I mean, great, great profile, 
Yeah. Great education, great job, everything. And then I met him and I was like, get me out of here. You know what? It's so funny. Yes. I've had that too. There was a guy I matched with online who, and I only bring up the height thing because I'm particularly tall. I'm six feet tall. Um, but even still I date shorter guys, but when a guy is tall, I do like that. I'm sorry. Um, but I, I matched with this guy who was tall. He was an educator. He was a principal of like a private school, which just sounded really cool to me. Mm. And you know, he went to like RISD and Brown. He just seemed to me the good on paper is education and not because I care about status, but because I like having conversations with people who are very educated. Maybe that's snobby, but anyway, it's true. And so I was so excited to meet him. He seemed really well read and really smart and like cared about like education. And we met and he was so pretentious yeah he was like also a writer I guess he was a principal and a writer and I was like oh um what's your writing process like you know just trying to make conversation he goes uh for me writing's just like breathing I guess oh wow and I was like for no one fuck yeah, you go back to providence <laughs> yeah loser. just like go back to your full-time job as a principal I'm a real yeah, writer go motherfucker. back to your full-time job like- of like dancing beneath like the new england foliage and eating clam chowder <sighs> fucking suck it i mean writing's like breathing no, no. it's miserable yeah stop. just kidding but i don't it, think he's ever written anything yeah he's only written like a haiku no yeah at most no i when i went on that online you date, tell me about your no it was just date. it was what just was the well, good thing about him he i mean he had a really good job he right. was very educated mm-hmm. um he's kind of like funny and sort of a dad jokes capacity at first but then he sort of doubled down on explaining how his ex oh was really materialistic and how Sucks like and off. I was like, oh, I think that just means you're cheap. Like First that's of all, how 100%, I took it. Yes. I was like, the way he was like, yeah, I mean, all she wanted was like, you know, I don't know. He just like would list things that she cared we're about. Totally normal. Well, we also met in a sports bar and literally like he had already ordered when I got there. Ew. He ordered chicken fingers and was like, you can also order your own. You can. Or you, oh, yeah, thanks. I know. I was like, oh, thanks so much for the permission. But yeah, so I got, I was like, I'll get my own basket, but thank were you. Were you like late or what? No, uh, only like by five minutes, like okay. not a lot. Did he no. have to get like emergency chicken wings? He got, emer- yeah, chicken fingers, chicken tenders. And he... Yeah, I just remember being like That's ridiculous. the way he sort of jumped into talking about his ex so quickly and also just sort of demeaning her and throwing her under the bus and calling her materialistic. Ew, I rude. just I read it as like we're talking about chicken tender or we're talking about your ex being materialistic over chicken tenders that you really in your heart of hearts wanted to split to save cost on I mean, the this bill. This guy sounds like a piece of shit. Yeah, but he also was like a lawyer and I'm like, "Why are you like Why are you why? like this?" Yes, why? Don't you wish you could just ask people? I'm sorry. Just I need to pause the day for one second. Why are you like this? Mm-hmm. Why are you like this? Why are you like this? Honestly, um somebody ordering before you get there unless they're like, "I'm so sorry, I'm famished. I haven't eaten yes, all day." No, it requires some kind of heads up. I there think there needs to be a background well, story. It's different when it's friends, but when it's a date, it's a little odd. Even the times I've done that with friends, I'm like, "I'm a mom. Monster. I always send a text. I'm like, I'm so sorry. I haven't eaten since noon. So I'm going to I'm going to be eating a salad when you get here. Or I pretend it's for us, which it is. And I'm like, I got us a charcuterie plate and this and that. Oh, that's a smart move. I got to yeah. start doing that. All right. So despite Carrie's lack of interest, Bradley keeps trying. They have a nice walk and he pitches a bunch of date options, all of which she shrugs off. When everybody gets back to the bungalow, Miranda announces that Laurel Carrie's overeager fan stopped by again. Samantha's also gotten an invite to the Hamptons hoedown, the event of the summer. Too bad for her. She's not running it. Her old assistant, Nina, is. Laurel's mid-painting Carrie's toes when Charlotte flies into the room to ask for their help on a tick. Laurel, the proud virgin, immediately spots that that's no tick. Greg gave Charlotte crabs. That's so funny. Carrie clears out of the infested place and heads to Bradley's. They sleep together, literally, and that they share a sex and lice-free bed for the night. Carrie, Samantha, Miranda, and Charlotte all head to the hoedown. Between jerky carpaccio and spinning cowboy hats, they all admit ex-assistant Nina nailed it. Yes, it looks like a house party, but it's a house party Samantha didn't get to throw. The 20-somethings might just take over. Charlotte spots Greg and they have it out. He agrees to stop giving people pubic lice if she stops lying about her age. Ooh, ooh. I love that. And Samantha heads to congratulate Nina on a party well thrown. 
When she does, Nina's coked-out helper reports a slew of problems, and Nina turns to Sam for her well-worn expertise. Professional that Samantha is, she gets all the guests to step outside, and the party is saved? It's not the tightest piece of plotting, but the important part is Samantha's still got it. And Carrie has one last run-in with Laurel, but it's the surprise guest who really freaks her out. Big is back, and he's arm-in-arm with Natasha. Hang on one second before you play the clip. That is hilarious that saving the party is getting people outside. It's like, everybody, outside. I was so confused by that. So (laughs) weird. It's like literally an announcement. It was literally one announcement of shouting. And Nina is so impressed. Yeah, and Nina's like, oh (laughs) my God, thank you. And it's like 30 years of PR experience to be like, let's head head outside, Everybody, everyone outside. Yeah. It was so weird. And then also, I just realized Nina was in Wet Hot American Summer, which we were talking she's about on the way so over here. She's so funny, that great. girl. She's great. She's an amazing actress. Anyways, okay. I'm sorry. I'm just a little stunned here and confused. Who is she? Well, I, you know, I meant to call you. She's a girl. She's this girl that I met in Paris. She works for Ralph Lauren in Europe. So you're just in from Paris for the weekends? No. The Paris deal fell through. I, uh, I planned on calling you. I certainly didn't want to run into you like this. Well, you can't plan everything. Life can be pretty random. I'm here on a, on a date, too, somewhere. It's Dr. Bradley Migo. He's good on paper, you know, probably like Natasha. Good-looking, sweet, blah, blah, blah. So, how old is she, anyway? I don't know. 26, 27. Oh, brutal. Well, I'll see you in the Hamptons or back in the city. I promise to call when I get back into town. I mean, of all of the, you know, big breakup get back together or see him for the first time or whatever it is, the separation and then the re-meeting up. This is the most brutal, I think, of the entire series is when she meets Natasha for the first time. I can't. uh, This was such a beautifully delivered um, performance uh, by Sarah Jessica Parker when she's just like, blah, blah, blah. It's just like she's so vulnerable with him. Like, I, you know what I loved? Please. And I feel like I don't know the exact moment I've done this, but it felt like something I've 100 percent done is when she immediately tries to convince herself that her date is just as insignificant as Natasha is to big. Like she's kind of trying to connect with him over how meaningless their other people are, but hers is actually meaningless and his is his fiance. Does she not know that that yet? She doesn't know it yet. Yeah. Yeah, it's totally true because she's like, oh yeah, I'm on a date. It's it's exactly as you said. She says it's a good on paper, but it's not like he said that. No. It's all one-sided. Right, and she's trying to sort of be like, yeah, you know, we both are like here with people, but sort of her subtext is, yeah, but we know it's not as significant as what we have. And it's also just really painful because it's like, it's just one of those things where it's like, you want to be, she, she wanted to be important to him for so long and it was such an uphill battle. And just to see him like quickly just be with somebody else that he seems to actually really like is so painful. Yes. Like it just makes it seem so insignificant with like, she hasn't met anyone significant since then. Right. Yeah. And there's something, it's very superficial, but like. I think anyone can relate to this of any gender or sexual orientation is just like seeing your ex with somebody who is a who's conventional model. Yeah, yeah. Like if you're short and they're super tall yes. and you're single in your late thirties and she's very, it's just very, very hard. Like, yeah. Cause it's just adds salt to the wound. It's also like Carrie is such a multidimensional sort of complicated person character lover you know she's just she's all the things and then it seems like he's kind of just been like or I'll just date a model (laughs) like to go from Carrie to I mean again just the person who represents a model I think is like an extra stab because I think it's sort of implying that like well you were too complicated and I just like want to be with someone who's like lovely to look at and it's just 
it probably just shames her on a lot of levels. A hundred percent. And like I passive aggressively. Yeah. And I feel like no matter how much you love yourself and you cultivate other parts of your personality, I think there's this core and I only have been in touch with it in this decade of my life, this core fear of like at some point not being like sexually viable or like sure. as hot as you were and the idea that somebody would go for someone more in their prime is, yes. is really terrifying. Terrifying. Yeah. And also, it's probably her worst nightmare realized. Yeah. That big is just kind of a modelizer, which I believe is a term from yeah. season one. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that, like, you know, we want to believe or she wants to believe that big is not just this, like, you know, millionaire guy who rides around in the backseat of the car that's driven for him by his driver, you know, wearing his, like, floor-length pea coat all the time, you know, just wheeling and dealing. And, you know, you don't... I think Carrie really wanted to believe there was more to him. Yeah. And this is kind of that thing of um, maybe there's not as much to him or maybe, like, him being with this sort of young, beautiful person represents, like, how immature he is and how immature he's been. Yeah. Yeah. Which are all things that she's suspected and had issues with this entire time. But I think it's sort of... It's almost, like, summed up through this person he's dating in that moment. There's a lot of layers. I think you're right. There's a lot of layers to how painful this is. Number one, seeing your partner with somebody else. Number two... And the thing is, Carrie loves herself. Carrie knows she's hilarious and talented and has so much to offer. But, like, even her, like, every woman is judged in society and we're judged really harshly for aging. Like, simply, like, everyone has an opinion when they see a woman over 30 on TV. Yes. Or, I mean, guys and girls are like, oh, she looks old. She yep. looks, she's had, a, everyone's a fucking critic to your face. It's so terrifying. Yeah. And, It's so cliche to just hear of like guys dating women that are 10 years younger, 20 years younger. And the message that we get in America is that the older you get as a woman, the less valuable you are. And that's such a mean, cruel message about something you can't really control. Right. That on top of all the horrible things to see your lover with someone new, that's just like an extra like chili in the wound. Yeah, absolutely. It's very brutal. So anyway, Carrie escapes the hoedown and throws up on the beach with Miranda, her true friend holding her hair. They stand under Nina's fireworks and consider Carrie's future, which is apparently going to have more big than she'd expected. Okay, so this brings us to the question of the episode. That week, back in the city, I wondered, what was the allure of the 20s? On one hand, there's great skin tone. The thrill of fresh experience and the sense of a consequence-free life full of seemingly endless possibilities. While on the other, there are horrible apartments, sexually inexperienced men, and embarrassing errors in fashion judgment. Should we fear these freshly minted single women as a threat to our very survival? Or pity them as clueless halfwits about to get their dreams dashed and illusions shattered? Twenty-something girls. Friend or foe? Great question. Hmm. I personally love the 30s so hard that I genuinely don't feel resentment towards 20s. I I don't, I think friend. 20s are friends. I am much happier and mentally stable now and more financially stable than I was in, yeah, than I was in my 20s. However, there are things about my appearance that bother me more mm-hmm. that have showed up in my 30s mm-hmm. that I totally took for granted in my 20s. Sure. Um, that is definitely part of it. Yeah, like my body and my skin and my hair is changing, which is upsetting mm-hmm. to me. And it's very superficial. But that stuff I didn't even think about at no, that time. No, no. So um, as far as 20-something women, friends, or foe, I do think... And maybe this is me speaking as a single woman in her 30s. I, Not individual women in their 20s. I love women. I love all kinds of women. I'm non-competitive. Sure, sure. But as a concept, I think I'm a little more sensitive to the idea of a guy my age dating a woman in her mid-early 20s. Mm-hmm. That sort of bothers me. Yeah. Um, but I don't. I don't feel jealous of an individual woman. Yeah. 
but yeah. I do find it frustrating that, um, I do find it frustrating that a woman in her twenties is considered the ideal. Yes. That bothers me. Yeah. I once, I wrote this script and uh, the network that I worked with, they kept being like, I had the character as 32 years old. And they kept being like, what if she was 28? I'm no. like, no, she's 32. Also, what's the fucking difference? I know. I was like, also, why does it matter? What are we but talking about right now? they kept pushing 28. Why? Like, 28 is like the magic number. Fuck them. And I was just kind of like, no, she's did 32. You, did you get to keep it? Yeah, but then it didn't go further. They're like, well, 28 <laughs> or like, gone. Yeah, literally 28 like, or honestly, bust, fuck apparently. Off. But anyways, okay, so. We're ending the show with our very favorite segment. Sex in the City is obviously a very horny show, so we end each episode by sharing what we're currently horny for. Rose, what are you horny for right now? Um, kind of in the vein of this episode, I'm horny for Keanu Reeves' new girlfriend, mm. who's all that's a great one. Who's still ten years younger than him, but yeah. because she's a totally beautiful but normal looking person the internet is going i know it's so it's, great he's still 10 years younger yeah but still and people are still losing their minds but i just think it's cool that keanu reeves who's the coolest and who's a hunk of a lifetime and could date an 18 year old is with like a mature smart it's rad amazing. talented illustrator and i'm just like i love that so that's yeah, what i'm horny for that's a great one girl what are you horny for i'm horny for billy on the street oh, um yeah. i love it it's on netflix now it was on i think funny or die and then it moved to true tv and i never really watched it when it was on either of those places only because i just never did i don't know people would watch the clips and i knew billy eichner was hilarious and all these things but i just never sort of made time for it it was one of those shows that kind of slipped through the cracks for me um, but yeah, now that I'm watching it and like watching it in a binge capacity, it's kind of the perfect show. And, um, for those of you who are like me and hadn't seen it, you can watch it now on Netflix and I believe they're going to be doing new episodes as well. But, um, yeah, there's like four seasons up right now and it's just so, He's so hilarious. Funny. And also it made me realize there is no man on the street show. Like He's kind of the only one. There are always man on the street segments on other shows. Because he's so good at it. But man on the street for the entire show is inspiring. I was like, oh, why haven't more people tried to make that happen? I've done a bunch of web series I know you have. that are woman on the street. And I yeah. have to say, that takes a lot of balls because you I always had to psych myself up to be like, okay, so today for eight hours, talk I'm gonna to try and talk to people who may or may not it's yeah. it's a lot of psyching yourself up. Well, his approach is is that it does not matter what their response is. It almost it's like truly he's puppeteering people. It does not that matter. They can said, say they fuck you, get, they can be startled. Like he can use all of it. But they still need to get permission or blur the faces. Yeah. That's a big fucking deal. It's amazing that some of there was one where he had this interaction with this woman. He kind of like got in her face and she was like, oh, like a little startled. But then they had a really nice conversation. And then at the very end, it got really hostile out of nowhere. Like they had the most lovely conversation. And then he said one thing and then she was like really defensive. And then she literally was like, well, get the fuck out of my face. Then it was, took such a turn. It was one of the most magical things I've ever watched. That makes me it wonder. It was shocking. And then, but then she also, my point was that she didn't have her face blurred. So did she, do, you think, like, do you think she signed a release before or after? I don't know. I'm curious how they do it. Because I have seen some blurred faces. So I don't know. She signed a release. I think it's I hard. I think they do the release before. I think that's the only way to do it. Even when he goes, hi, better do that. It's like they I got a release. Know. I don't know how they do it. Unless they're trailing behind. It's amazing. I, I don't know do what they do. I think they do it after. Probably both, honestly. Right. I think maybe so. it's yeah. maybe it's one of those like they set up the little uh, like sandwich boards. Like yes. if you're entering this area, you are consented to be filmed. Yeah. Sort of thing. No, no, is no. that not no? No, not for the street. Interesting. You can do that into a business. Okay. But no, like I, I've just done so much of this. You yeah, need yeah. to have people sign it. I think because he gets these amazing like off the cuff things. I bet you it's after because they don't seem prepped at all. No, I think someone's trailing behind. I think it's trailing. Yeah, I mean some of them. He spends more time with certain people, so you can tell they probably vetted them and that sort of thing. No, but yeah. the, the the segments are brilliant. Like when it's he brilliant. does that one of like, do gays care about John Oliver? Oh my god! I mean, it was so funny. He was going up to all these gays and be like, "Do you know who John Oliver is?" And they're like, "No." Do you care? And like, I don't know. Also, he also did one with Sarah Jessica Parker, and in, in, I believe season four. Okay, what does he do? Uh, he, she's a huge fan of the show, so he got her on, and it's just very funny because. 
he doesn't baby the celebrities on no, the show. He not treats at all. them exactly the same as he treats everyone else, which is like hysterical. Kind of angry, like fake angry and yeah, like she keeps laughing and he's like, "Stop laughing." Like he literally just he's calls so her funny. out on everything. It's just great. You guys got to watch it. There's also these really funny bits where he takes a celebrity and he asks people if they know that. that Oh, he does that with her. That's what I was going to tell you. so funny. Yeah, he just like drags her through the streets (laughs) of Manhattan being like, it's Sarah Jessica Parker. Do you care? Do you guys care? (laughs) And and a lot of people are like, no. Like, it's so funny. (laughs) You're making me want to watch it. It's on Netflix? Yeah. Okay, well, that's fantastic. Okay, fabulous. Okay, guys, that is the end of our episode. We love you guys. Yeah. Before I go. Yeah. I just want to say, per the huge, mm. your Instagram comments oh, yes. are hilarious. Great, great point. Shout out to the girls who wanted to know what was in my salads. Yes, I loved that. Girls, hit us up and tell us if you made those damn salads. We need to know. And for all the gays who had lots to say about that episode about Stanford, Stanford yeah. and the underwear. And a lot of people were, a lot of the gays uh, chimed in to say how ridiculous they thought it was that uh, Stanford ends up marrying... Um, What's his name in the end in the movies? Oh, uh, oh, uh, not Anthony. Um, Something like that. Mar- Anthony. Mar- Marcus. Yes. Marcus. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of the uh, gay fans, listeners. Oh, wait. No. He marries Mario Cantone's character. Yeah. Right. But everybody on Instagram, all of our, our all of our direct messages were like, that is so fucking stupid. And it's like, oh, just because there's two gays, they have yes. to like, marry each other. Yes. And they like hate each other. And in they have series. nothing in common. They're not attracted no, to each other. No, they can't stand each other. It's very funny. So anyway, can't okay. wait to keep talking about that. Okay. Okay. Love, love you. Bye. Thanks for listening to Couldn't Help But Wonder. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at chbwpod. And follow my co-host Rose Cerno on Insta and Twitter at Rose Cerno. And please follow my co-host Jamie at ReallyJamieLee on Instagram and at TheJamieLee on Twitter. And please rate, review, subscribe to our show on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app if you're nasty. It helps us. It helps you. It helps everyone. You nasty. Bye. Bye. Forever. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. And mastered by Anna Rubinova. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcast.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook. (coughs) Oh, <coughs> oh,